Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Thursday the 31st of October. Coming up, MPs to stand down at election following abuse. Do we want to live in a society where we say, basically, if you're in the public eye, getting battered on social media with vile commentary is just part of the price of that? I don't think we do. Vaccination plea from men who lost brother to meningitis. My brother first got ill properly at midnight. He was dead at 9.46 that evening. And car park fees could affect companies. If you get lower footfall, less people coming, potentially some of those could go out of business, which is not, not what we want, really. We want a thriving town centre, not one that's falling to pieces. Kent Online News. On the day we were meant to be leaving the EU, election campaigning is getting started. We'll be going to the polls for the third time in four years on December the 12th. But more than 50 MPs have announced they'll be standing down. The Culture Secretary, Nikki Morgan, is one of them. She says the abuse she's received has had a big impact on her family. Folkestone and Hythe MP Damien Collins, who's chair of the Digital Culture, Media and Sports Select Committee, has been speaking about it on Sky News. I think this is a, a real issue uh, and um, it's, it's a real shame and it affects not just politicians but other people in the public eye. We need to challenge the social media companies to do more to act against abusive behaviour online. They can close them down. They, they, they gather data about what accounts do so they can target advertising at them. So you, I don't believe they don't have the power to do this because they use these tools to make money. And they should use these tools as well to root out harm and identify harmful accounts. And they target politicians, I think particularly women, particularly candidates from minority ethnic communities. And we see this across anyone in the public eye. There was a recent storm on Twitter of racist abuse at Paul Pogba when he missed a penalty for Manchester United. Do we want to live in a society where we say, basically, if you're in the public eye, getting battered on social media with vile commentary is just part of the price of that? I don't think we do. And it's normalising hate speech. It's no, it, it encourages, I think, more people to engage in that sort of behaviour. And the only way it'll stop will be if the social media companies have a zero tolerance approach to it and don't say, well, this is all about freedom of expression. And say, actually, abusive behaviour will be rooted out. Meantime, Facebook is under pressure to stop allowing political adverts on its platform after Twitter said it's dropping them from the 22nd of next month. The company says paid-for tweets are being used to spread misleading information in a highly targeted way. Damien Collins has also been giving us his thoughts on this. It's an eye-catching announcement, but I don't think it necessarily solves the problem on Twitter, which has been less paid-for advertising, uh, giving unearned reach, but more fake accounts, networks of bot accounts, spreading messages widely across the network. Uh, and also the sort of abuse that comes from anonymised accounts as well. Unlike uh, Facebook, on Twitter you can have anonymous accounts, and I think that's been part of the problem there. That what we want is a system, I think, where people have a degree of transparency. They know who's communicating with them, how they're doing it, what they're saying. And when those accounts are behaving in an abusive way, the platforms shut them down. The thing I'd like to see companies like Twitter being more responsible for is intervening when people are engaged in harmful or abusive commentary on the site or networks of inauthentic accounts are targeting vast groups of people with messages. This is not just about free expression. I think Mark Zuckerberg is wrong when he, when he says it's all about freedom of speech on social media. For me, freedom of speech and freedom of reach are not the same thing. There is a danger here. So if a legitimate organisation, let's say a legitimate political party, wants to advertise on social media to, to reach people, maybe to counter a false rumour that's being spread, 
that's now been turned off for them. But if you're a bad actor who, or the Russian state who are operating networks of tens of thousands of fake account, accounts to spread messages through the network on a massive scale, then this announcement doesn't affect you. And I would say on Twitter, the problem on Twitter has been that they've been the latter. It's been the, net, net, the networks of fake accounts rather than uh, advertisers saying things they shouldn't say. As we gear up for a general election in six weeks' time, there are questions over how important the student vote will be. Most of them will still be at uni at the time and will have to decide whether to vote at home or where they're studying. Joe's been finding out what students in Canterbury are planning to do. I'll be going back home uh, to vote. I live in York and I think it's important um, to vote in this election. Depends where I am. If I'm at home, I'll vote at home. If I'm here, I'll vote here because I think it's really important to vote. Um, otherwise, I don't know, in my opinion, you need to vote to be able to make a difference, so... Do you know, did you think that the fact that we're having an election in December, do you think that's make much of a difference? Do you think, obviously, there's been a lot of talk at students being sort of in limbo, being at home or a thing. Do you think it will make a difference? Definitely, I think, especially, especially here in Kent, we've got a lot of international students or people who travel from, you know, various areas in the UK, and I think having an election at that point makes things quite difficult, especially people living in two different addresses. It's just, yeah, it's will a period of limbo. You know? Um, I'm not entirely sure yet if I'm here exactly I don't know so how can we plan um, if I'm here I'll be voting here if I'm at home I'll vote at home I'll vote wherever I'd probably be more likely to vote back home just because I don't want Conservatives back in there and I feel like that's more likely there so I feel like my vote might count obviously I'm an advocate for voting I think every student should you know have a right to vote and we should definitely do that if you get the opportunity to um, but as for me um, I'm here at the University of Kent but that doesn't mean anything um, I will be going back home in London and voting there because that's where I've known really and that's where I tend to just vote whether it's local elections you know national elections I vote in London Richard Whitman is a professor of politics and international relations at the Uni of Kent I mean they have a choice to make you know do they vote here if they're registered to vote here or do they vote at home because of course students are in the unusual position in which they can be registered to vote in two places but of course can only vote in one what we had last time uh, in 2017 was that people were willing to tactically vote were willing to put their votes in in places to send a signal uh, on the, the issue of the eu and eu membership and therefore for that reason i think it really tells us what's going on in terms of the the electorate sentiment well, if it's a tight vote, which is what it is in Canterbury, then yes, it does matter. I mean, every literally every vote matters. So turnout matters, you know, and obviously in December we don't know what turnout's like. Postal votes are going to matter. Where students vote will matter, you know, whether they vote here in Canterbury or whether they vote in their home constituencies. And this question of tactical voting, whether people tactically vote in the same way that they did last time. It'll be the first December election since 1923. Kent Online reports. A motorcyclist has died for following a crash on the Medway City estate. The man in his 30s from Gillingham was involved in a collision with two cars on St Anthony's Way near Strood yesterday afternoon. Investigators are trying to work out how it happened and want anyone with dashcam footage to get in touch. Elsewhere, a lorry driver has died following a crash near Tunbridge Wells. The HGV came off the A21 between Pembury and the Kippings Cross roundabout yesterday lunchtime. Crash investigators are still trying to work out what happened and they're keen to speak to any witnesses. A 20-year-old man's been arrested after a man was kicked in the face and hit round the head with a traffic cone after being jumped on near a Sittingbourne graveyard. The victim had been walking along High Street towards East Street when it happened last Thursday night. The man who's been questioned has been released while investigations continue. 
The brothers of a 21-year-old man from Tunbridge Wells who died of meningitis have created an emotional video urging everyone to get vaccinated. Tim Mason contracted MenW in March last year and died just hours after falling ill. His brothers Nick and Alex have teamed up with a charity Meningitis Now to raise awareness. I come from uh, quite a typical home where you've got three brothers all together so it was quite loud, really fun and pretty much everything that you'd want a home to be. Tim had just celebrated his 21st birthday. He uh, had a wicked sense of humour and he could read people extremely well. He was uh, a very sensitive individual. He went to bed a bit early, um, he just he looked a bit under the weather, looked like he had a few cold-like symptoms. It was uh, a bit strange, but I just thought, you know, he's ill, he'll get over it. I woke up to the sounds of my little brother just throwing up, but in a way I'd never heard before. It was something quite different and you would recognise that it's, it's different. I just got the call at work that he'd uh, been taken to hospital because he um, suddenly um, started vomiting and complaining of horrendous abdominal pains. He looked really badly ill. You couldn't mistake it. He was so very far from healthy. My brother first got ill properly at midnight. He was dead at 9.46 that evening. So. 21 hours and 46 minutes is the time it took to kill him. He was fine one day and then he was dead. You can watch the video at kentonline.co.uk. Kent Online News. Police are investigating a fire that broke out at a heritage railway near Dover. The owners of the volunteer-run East Kent Railway are blaming vandals for the blaze in Shepherdswell last night. They're asking for donations to help replace equipment, power tools and a generator that were destroyed by the flames. A man's been given a restraining order after stalking a blind charity worker in Canterbury with a banner accusing him of being a thief. 60-year-old Paul Porteous, who's homeless, has served 12 weeks in prison for insulting Paul Todd and smashing windows where he worked between January and March. He's now in order to stay 10 metres away from his home and workplace for the next five years. A money launderer from Tunbridge Wells has been ordered to return more than £900,000 after precious metals were discovered in his hotel room. Police searched the room in February and found gold bars and silver coins which are thought to have been bought with criminal money. The 55-year-old is currently serving a four-year prison sentence. There are fears businesses in parts of Kent could be forced to close if new parking charges are introduced. Tunbridge and Malling Borough Council are reviewing three in Larkfield, Snodland and Aylesford while also discussing the idea to increase existing car parking fees. Harry's been chatting to Paul Hickmott who's a Labour councillor for Snodland. Well, I think you've got to be very careful with that because if, if the charges are too stiff, I think the smaller businesses are going to suffer because people won't, won't come to Snodland. We've already got three or four voids in the High Street and Holborough Road. And if we get any more voids, it's going to, the town centre is not going to look very nice. So it's not going to be very nice for people to come shopping in.
Yeah, that seems to be the concern from those proposed, from the places that have been proposed to introduce charges, is that a lot of them do serve local businesses, local shops, and the worry is that you know it could have that negative impact particularly on you know places such as northern which have independent businesses yeah yeah we've got a lot, a lot of smaller traders they're already under pressure from high business rates and if you get lower footfall less people coming over their doorstep to, to buy things potentially some of those could go out of business which is not not what we want really we want a thriving town centre not one that's falling to pieces tony wilshire is the manager at larkfield cycles he's worried it'll have a big impact on his business it's massive for us because people turn up drop their bikes off for repair then come back and collect them so to be able to just shoot in and out with a bike in the back of the vehicle is it's you know it's ideal so yeah if the charges to start to happen on the car park might mean people think about maybe going somewhere else to drop them off and I guess for you, being you know a local independent business, you must rely a lot on having that local trade where other kind of big bike shops and whatever are probably in a big complex that has free parking, so you must rely on having that free parking to get people here. Exactly, yeah, and it's always part of our advertising that the car park is free, so um, yeah, it could, could make a big difference actually. And of course the reason that the council are wanting to bring this in is that they say it will tackle an issue with people just using that car park because it's free and you can park there for most of the day um, and it kind of fills the car park up for people who do want to come in regularly. Do you see that as being an issue as well? No, I think, I mean, it is with the, with the, um, with the medical centre next door possibly because obviously um, it has a big footflow of people coming through and from but literally for the square, I think most people that come to the square to use the shops, which is primarily what the car park's there for in the first place, they're popping in for 10-15 minutes to pick something up, get their hair cut or whatever services are here to offer. So yeah, have a major effect. And of course running an independent business you must be wanting to try and get as many customers as possible because of the because of the margins I can imagine. So that must be quite a big sell point for anyone who comes Yeah, in. it is a massive point. Yeah. I mean the fact that you know suddenly you're gonna to have to pay to park is gonna be an issue, especially if it's um I mean I don't know what the fees are gonna be. Um but that you know if somebody's parking here for two or three hours and they're gonna get a four or five pound bill, it's uh, that's quite a lot to consider on top of what they're coming in to spend. And all of this hasn't been decided yet, but it could potentially go up to public consultation as well. Um, putting you on the spot a little bit, but what kind of things would you want to be saying? What kind of feedback would you want to give? I imagine you just want to sit, stay free. Well, we, we can understand that. I mean, I think ideally that uh, an hour to two hours would be free parking. And if people need to stay longer than that, then obviously maybe a small charge. I can understand that would deter people from using it as just a parking place to park all day. Um, and obviously, as long as they sort of tend to look after the staff that use you know, there's a lot of staff that work in all of these shops that obviously also need somewhere to park. So as long as that's looked on favourable to what it's going to cost them to park all day. So essentially some business concerns if it does go ahead. Yeah, definitely some, yeah. Yeah, some, some concessions maybe for parking for staff. Kent Online reports. There's bad news for hundreds of drivers who use the A20 near Ashford. One lane's going to be closed for five weeks from Saturday. Part of Hyde Road will be shut London-bound as part of work on the M20 Junction 10A project. We've got details of the diversion route at kentonline.co.uk. John Burko's 10-year term as Speaker of the House of Commons comes
comes to an end today. He's played a key role in progressing Brexit-related legislation, but has also faced calls to quit after a report into bullying claims. An 11-metre-tall effigy of him will be burned on the famous Edenbridge bonfire this weekend. And Kent's Will Bailey says he's gutted to be leaving Strictly Come Dancing because of a knee injury. The Paralympian from Tunbridge Wells hurt himself jumping off a table during training. He says he's loved being part of the show and is grateful for the phenomenal support he's received. That's it for now, but don't forget you can go to kentonline.co.uk for more news throughout the day. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.